Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to the claw on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Burns, what's going on? How was that uh, secret concert last night? I went to the night. secret concert the last secret night. Concert. Yes, the secret concert. The secret concert. Don't tell anybody. Nobody knew. No, but my wife kind of knew who it was because I guess the guy, his uh, girlfriend or wife or whatever, had posted a picture on her Instagram of her having a coffee and a cactus was in the background. It's like, that's the guy. Oh. That's the guy I texted you for you, Greg Swindell. You social. <laughs> Former Major League pitcher. What's Nick that? Turn country singer Gre- you, Greg Swindell. You, you, you stole my joke. You stole I t- my joke. I, it's not your joke. I sent it to you, Greg Swindell. I knew I what know. I was doing. Okay, Greg Swindell or Cole Swindell. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. It's Greg. Cole Swindell. Cole Definitely Swindell. Cole. Greg was a lefty uh, reliever for the time. <laughs> I, okay, so you all right. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. So what? It, was, so what, uh, it, like, it, it wasn't bad. For the uninitiated, what yeah. you did last night, um, a local radio station, one that I used to work for many, 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 many years ago, um, has like once a month, they do a secret concert. Yes. Um, where they do, Is it once a, once a month? I thought you said that yesterday. I don't know how many times they do it, but oh, they do a, okay. sec- they do a I, secret I concert. You said that yesterday. They don't tell you who the act is. You, you buy a ticket, you go, and you don't don't know until the person no idea. on stage. Nobody knew who I it was going to be. Unless you're a social media sleuth like your wife, and she saw Cole Swindell's right. wife having a coffee with a cactus, and it's, oh, you know what? I bet that's who it but is. But he's here because his wife or girlfriend's here, and there's a cactus there in the background. That's a cool concept. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I was thinking about this driving home last night. I did something similar with um, this clothes company that I like buying from online. They have like a mystery box where you don't know. You just, you spend like a hundred bucks. And they throw three different articles of clothing, four different articles of clothing, and you have no idea what you're going to get until the box shows up. You can't return any of it. You can't exchange any of it. You just tell them your size, and they send you like five things in the mail for like, hundred bucks. Fool. I'm going to send them all the stuff that's not selling oh, that, right oh, now. We got a hundred bucks out of that's it. That's what you get. And so you open the box, and you go, okay, I'll never wear that. Ooh, I like that. Eh, I'm not going to wear that. Yeah. Eh, you know, yeah, so it's kind of the same thing. I like that. Yeah, cool so concept. I guess this guy's got one super popular song. Have you heard of him, Cole Swindell? I've heard of him. You've heard I, of him? I haven't heard of it. I, the uh, the song I I kind of know because everybody in my house listens to country, yes. but yeah, I don't. Hear it's Carolina Tales, yeah. California. Maybe she'd fall for a boy from South Georgia. She's got the bar in the palm of her hand, and she's a '90s country fan like I am. Hey, I got a Chevy. She can flip a quarter. I'd drive her anywhere. Heads to Carolina, baby! Heads to Carolina! No tails to California. Yeah, no tails. I'd rather go to Carolina than California. <laughs> I'd rather go anywhere than California. Pick I just feel for that boy from South Georgia. <laughs> yeah. That was good, Mitch. Heads I like to that. Carolina, tails to Cap. Make your heads. I don't want to go to California. <laughs> yeah. All right. Mystery concerts, mystery timelines for star basketball players. Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. 
Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. All right, we've had a day to let it settle in now. Not even a full day. We found out yesterday late in our show around 445. First, it was reported that Kevin Durant, the, he was going to be reevaluated in two weeks. Then the team released a statement and said that he's going to be reevaluated in three weeks. Now, in the moment yesterday when we were doing the show when this went down, we were bracing for the worst. We were bracing for like four to six weeks, right? We were thinking, oh, man. This is- yeah. So in the yeah. moment... To hear it was going to be only three or four weeks or two or three weeks, it felt like good news. I woke up today and, and I've just been in a rotten mood ever since. This sucks. This sucks. I mean, it's, this, it's this not sucks. ideal. It's not ideal, but you know, you, you got to weigh it. Like, is it could have been worse? Yes. Like this, you wish but it didn't happen. Bad. At all. It's still bad. It's still bad. It's still bad. It could have yeah. been worse, mm-hmm. and that means it's better. But it's still bad. It's still. It's like. You know, and we went through all the emotional baggage yesterday. We carried it around for the last hour of the show. It sucks, right? It sucks. I mean, because you've got a chance to win a championship here, and you're you're, you're banking a lot of it on this um, this unbelievable blockbuster trade where you gave up you gave up the house, the farm, you gave up everything to go get a 34 year old injury prone Kevin Durant, who's a great player, but has had a myriad of injuries in his career. As I use a big word, Dan Bickley will be very proud. But here. Here's a guy that, you know, by the time the playoffs start, if he doesn't play for the rest of the regular season, he'll have played three games from January 8th. Three games. Yeah. So basically all Uh. of January, all of February, all of March, and then into, you know, into April, you you might, you talk about three games in almost four months. And yet, and well, that's a great point. And by the way, Bickley right now is driving around in his car and you know what he just said? Outstanding. That's what Dan Bickley Myriad. just said. Yes. You using Myriad. Um, uh, okay, if there there's like a handful of players, and it's not a big list. There's a handful of players where you can go. That guy can only play three games over four months, and still I feel good about their chances of playing well. He's one of them. He's one of them. Yeah, he's one. Right, like LeBron's one of them. I think he's yeah. he's still in that category. Uh, Giannis is probably one of them. Where you could say, hey, that dude's not going to play a game for four months, except for maybe three. And when he comes back, he's still going to be top-notch, top-shelf great. I think Kevin Durant, and and, and now, am I wishing for that because I'm in a bad mood about this? Probably. But I do honestly believe he's that one guy, one of a handful of guys who I can count on to play at a very top-shelf level despite missing all those games. It sucks, but man, like the the fear would be... He's done. Like, he's done. It's it's a grade three. He's done. He's not going to be able to play. He's going to miss the first or second round of the playoffs. And now you're then, then, you know, you feel like your chances of winning are over. Like, they're over. But, like, I guess the key is as long as he comes back for the playoffs. Now, whether you still feel the same about the Suns' chances or not, that's a fair question to ask. Do you, like, if Kevin Durant would have not gotten hurt, played the rest of the season, Suns end up as the two seed, you probably feel a lot better about their chances than what's going to happen, which is they'll probably end up as the four seed. They're not going to have Durant. for Durant will have played five games with the Suns all year long, you know? He's played three. Maybe he can play two or three at the end. You know, really, you're talking about five, six, maybe seven games all, you know, since January. Yeah, And how does that fit? I mean, do you still feel good about their chances compared to the other way? And the answer would be no. It's very unorthodox, and that's what makes it so difficult to process, I think, for all of us, because we want it so badly, and 
and I think it's very unorthodox to think that you can win a championship in which your best player has played five regular season games with you. You know, like what are you, what are you like what are you going to do? Acquire a star player five days before the playoffs start and think that that's going to be good enough to win a championship? And yet, that's in essence what the Suns have done here by the limited number of games that Kevin Durant is going to play. Now, how many games he ends up playing in? I don't know. I, I took a screenshot today of the rest of the Suns schedule. I sent it to you, and I basically said, okay, here's the games that he's going to miss if he's back in two weeks. Here's the games that he's going to miss if he's back in three. Here's yeah. the games that he's going to miss if he's back in four. And now that you you look at four it... Four is very realistic, right? They've got to reevaluate in three, and then there's always a ramp up because, you, you know... I mean, you're not going to go throw the guy out there for 40 minutes when he's played three games since January. No. So you're going to ramp him up. That's three, four, five days once he's cleared. So you, so four is very realistic that he would miss four weeks of action. If he misses four weeks of action, the only games that are left on the schedule are home against Denver on Thursday, April 6th, at the Lakers on Friday, April 7th, and that's the second night of a back-to-back. Chances are he wouldn't play in one of those games anyway because you're going to manage this thing a little bit. And then closing out the season against the L.A. Clippers on Sunday, April yeah. 9th. So now, maybe he comes back. Games. Maybe he comes back one game earlier and plays on April fourth against San Antonio. But either way, we're talking about a guy that's probably going to play two or three games by the time the playoffs start. Now, as long as he can get healthy, you know. But you know, the, the, we talked about this yesterday. The fear, more than anything, for me is okay. A run to the a run to the NBA Finals is four series. Okay, not all those series are going to be four-game series. Some of those series may be long series. If you figure, okay, the average series is six games, can he go 24, 25 games without hurting himself? And especially with the load that's going to, he's going to be asked to carry at his age and the injury history this year. Forget about previous injury history. This year alone, knee injury, ankle injury. Knee injury, ankle injury in this calendar year, 2023. There's been a knee injury and an ankle injury. Can he go when you when you've got to play every other day? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday. Like maybe you get one or two games where you get an extra day, but most part you go every other day. How is he going to hold up? Can he? Hold, it's a question. I don't know the answer. Nobody to that. Does. I hope he can. Yeah, nobody. But does. that's the fear, right? If you fear, if you're thinking about what's the fear, the fear is, can this guy get through four series? Yeah, nobody has the answer to that. Nobody knows for sure. Um, it, it's it on the surface, it doesn't sound like a lot, uh, right? I mean, Kevin. Durant, it's all we're asking for is at the most 28 games, right? I mean, yeah. if, every, if every series goes seven, you're talking about 28 total games. All right. And it obviously won't go on that long, but can he last 28 games without getting hurt? I, of course he can, but will he? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been, it's fragile. The plan was always really fragile. I supported it, but it was very fragile. Well, I think you've also got to go back and you've got to look. Last year, Last year, Kevin Durant played in one, just one playoff series, just one, and they only played four games. The year before that was the one we had his toe on the line. They lost to Milwaukee. They had played in two, only two series. They played five games against Boston, and then they obviously went uh, seven against Milwaukee. So, when was the last time? The last time he went deeper into a playoff series. You got to go back to like what two thousand Golden State, Golden State. You're talking about like 2019 like or really so. deep into a playoff run. Really deep into a playoff run. It wasn't in 2021, 22. It wasn't in 2021. It wasn't in 1920. That was the pandemic year, right? That was the pandemic year, 1920. So now you're saying 18, 19. I get. Yeah, I'm, I, you've and got that's it. when he got hurt against Toronto you've, with the Achilles. Mm-hmm, yeah, you've got his stuff in front of him. I got it right. So in the, in the, now you go back to 
2018-19, he got hurt in the first game against Toronto in the NBA Finals, and he was done. So you go back now the year before that, 17-18, okay, that's when he played. The last time Kevin Durant played in four playoff series was 2017-18. Yeah. Five years ago. It's been a while. It's been a while. The weather is getting warmer. Arizona Sports and Fulton Homes are reminding you two seconds is too long to take your eyes off of your kids around water. So for life-saving water safety tips and to enter to win swim lessons from the YMCA, Please text SWIM to 620-620. How about them Devils last night? Have they punched their tickets to the field of 68? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Inbounded to Devin Cambridge. He gets it to Des Cambridge. Uncontested to the rack. To slam dunk it home. And Des Cambridge has a new season scoring high of 27 points. All right. They better be in. They better be in. All right. They better punch their ticket. Or we got to stop punching somebody. Maybe this committee. Because <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be ridiculous. Listen, I've... That's right. They, they That's right. Let's advocate physical violence against yeah. the committee if they don't allow the Sun Devils in. That's... A great plan, Gambo. Well, listen. Good I mean, job. Good job. I grew up in, a, in an I era know, where threats worked. I know you uh, did. I'm, not, I'm obviously not going to do that, but like they deserve to be in. And, you know, and, and I'm a U of A fan, so I got home last night from the, the big <laughs> Cole Swindell concert, and I got home right in time to watch the entire ASU game. And I said, uh, I actually texted Doug Tamaro, the outstanding uh, athletic director, right? He's the sports information, sports information director, director yeah. at, at ASU. I'm terrible with titles. I texted him last night. I've never seen your team play this well. I texted him. I said, I go, this is the best I've seen you guys play. Alice can't breathe. Tenacious defense. They were in your face the entire game. Full court pressure, forcing turnovers. USC couldn't get off a good shot the whole first half. You, ASU blew them out in the first half. Got a three to start the second half and cruised to a victory. I, they played really, really well last night. That is, a, I had not seen them play this well all season long. That was a great game for them. They've defended well most of the year. Maybe not like that in the first half because it was insanely suffocating defense in the first half they put on USC. It was it was an absolute clinic. Certainly when it comes to shooting the deep ball, I mean, that's... You want to talk about why ASU is in this position now playing Arizona tonight? They made 14 three-pointers last night. I believe that matched their season high for any game this year in terms of three-pointers made. Desmond Cambridge had had six on his own. DJ Horn, 16 points as well. ASU is now 10-2 and when Cambridge scores 15 or more in a game. So the, it was it was that that because really what did we we made the joke yesterday somebody even tweeted me about it it feels like ASU shoots thirty nine percent in every game they play they shot thirty nine percent last night right but because they were fourteen of thirty two from distance it was the day was the threes it was the threes, it was the threes. It, it, it just it, it, every single time it felt like they needed one they found one and they were, got a little wonky there at the end USC hit like three three pointers yeah, in the last they, minute right and and but then DJ Horn hit his free throws ultimately eventually and ASU got the win. It was an impressive performance against a team that everybody believes despite the loss is still in. Everybody thinks USC is still a tournament team. So, so they're a, number three in the conference. It's a quad one win. Uh-huh. That's a that's a good victory for ASU. It's the victory they should have had this last weekend against USC that maybe would have put this all to rest anyway. So now you look at the bracketology. And it's just, man, it's like it's you found one. Splitting hairs, man. I looked at the CBS Sports one. I looked okay. at Lenardi on ESPN. Okay. I looked at the CBS Sports Bracketology by Jerry Palm, who's just as good. He has ASU out. 
Okay. So he does not, he has the first four out. He has ASU as the first team out. Now the last four in, Mississippi State, they lost today. Rutgers, they lost today. So two of them have lost already. That's good. So now that's I think, really good, actually. Right. So Rutgers lost to Purdue. Um Mississippi, Mississippi State, State, State lost to Bama. They Alabama. lost by like 40. They got clobbered. Well, Alabama's a one seed out of Bama's terrific. Yeah, so two of the last four in lost. Arizona State, right right now, maybe they move up. I don't know. Now, the last four out are Oklahoma State, North Carolina, Clemson. I think North Carolina's done, but let's see what happens. But right now, in, in Jerry Palm's bracketology, ASU is not in. They're not in. Okay, and in Joe Lenardi's bracketology on ESPN, they are in. And this is, okay, this is how Ray Razor thin the margin is. Jerry Palm has ASU as his first team out. Joe Lenardi has ASU as his last team in. That's the that's what we're li- literally talking about the margin, like right yeah. there on the line. One says in, one says out, and that's where the line is drawn. In fact, it, Lenardi said um, Arizona State too close to call at this point. Five teams vying for three spots: Pittsburgh, Utah State, Arizona State. Oklahoma State and Clemson. In his opinion, three of those teams will get in. Five teams for three spots. Now, obviously, if ASU beats U of A tonight, it's done. And there are some people who believe, truly, that right now ASU's in and they're going to go to Dayton in the first four. Okay, And that if they can beat U of A tonight or be very, very competitive against U of A tonight, that would be the difference between being a first four team playing in Dayton and a true and a field true of 64 team and right. a seed where you don't have to play your way into a seed. Some people think that's what's at stake for the Sun Devils tonight against Arizona. Can they beat Arizona two times in a row? Um, Arizona Arizona had an e- pretty easy time with me, Stanford last night. They took care of business. They did. Avenged that defeat to Stanford. They shot the ball lights out in that game and eventually they pulled away in the second half. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. Is it enough to compete with Arizona? To not get blown out by Arizona? To go into the final minute or two of that game and it's a one-possession game or a two-possession game? Is that enough to be competitive against a team as good as Arizona? Listen, you know what you're looking for in these teams? You're looking for somebody who has the ability to upset somebody. ASU has the ability to upset somebody. Now, they got to shoot the ball, but if they shoot the ball well, they could beat a lot of good teams. Like, they can. They Creighton, Arizona, um... I don't know. It's a good question. It's a fair question. I don't know. I think that, like, to me, I think they're in. They beat USC. They're in. They got a good quad one win. They backed it up. So in the last, you know, two weeks, they got a, they got Arizona and they got USC. They got two big wins in the last two weeks. So for me, I think that that's enough to get in. Um, Thank God Bill Walton's not doing the bracket because he had everybody in the in the Conference of Champions in. Oregon is in. Washington State should be in. Arizona's better than Arizona State's better than all of the other teams on the bubble. Uh, uh, last time I was last night, had the whole Pac-12 in. Cal should be in. I know they only got one win, but they should be in. Yeah. Um, Every time I watch Dave and, and Bill, I think, man, how does Dave do it? It wasn't Dave last night. Well, it was. Was it Dave? It was. No, I don't it was think the other guy. It was the other guy. You're right. Well, I, was it was, thinking, I don't know the other guy. I was just name. thinking in general. general. It's always Dave and Bill when, yeah. they're, when they're together. Here's Bobby Hurley. I'm playing Arizona again. You have a lot of respect for, for Arizona and the program they have and what they've accomplished uh, you know, since I've been here and you know, more particularly the last two years. And uh, you know, They could beat you in so many different ways. And uh, They have the front court. They got. Uh, it's going to be more of an up-tempo game than even tonight. You know? So uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we're going to have to do. Uh, 
uh, in order to have some success tomorrow night. And uh, you know, but it's it's what you live for. It's it's uh, to be in the semifinals of a tournament like this with with the teams that are still left. It's uh, you know we feel like blessed and just can't wait for the opportunity. Chris Cartman over at SunDevilSource.com put together a handy dandy guide, if you will, Ooh. of who to root for today or who to root against okay. today. You already mentioned a couple of them. Uh, yes, per, uh, root against root against Rutgers. They lost. Root against Mississippi State. They lost. Root against Clemson versus Virginia. And I'm looking up at our board right now to see if that game's on. I don't know when that game's on. Root against Penn State against Northwestern. Root against Utah State. And then if you really want to dig deep, root against Oregon, against UCLA, root against Memphis, against Central Florida. Those are all teams that are kind of in the same boat, right? Some of them are in a little Clemson, bit. Virginia's tonight. Is that tonight? Okay, some of them are Eastern. Some of them are in a little bit better of a boat. Some yeah. of them are in a you know more precarious boat, but they're all kind of in the same sea right now. They're, yeah. Are they in? Are they out? Will they make it? Will they not? I, I hope you're right. I really I th- do. I think they should be in, and you know me. I'm an, I mean, you have a fan in basketball. Uh, and and I think U of A will beat them tonight. I do think U of A will beat. They're just better. U of A is just a better team. Um, but if well, Arizona, nobody doubts that, if Arizona State I mean, beats them, like then Arizona is a better team. Everybody knows that. Yeah, that's why I think that Arizona will win. I mean, Arizona they win another game in Vegas last night. They are what now seven and zero under Tommy you, Lloyd in Vegas. Haven't you, lost. Did you see some of the comments after the game? In fact, I have a buddy who's up there in Vegas right now. He was trying to get a ticket to go in to watch ASU after U of A. He said they were almost impossible to find. All the Arizona fans got them. All the Arizona fans had all the tickets for last uh, night's uh, game. Yeah, and there was a comment about how there were like ten thousand Arizona Wild. Cat basketball fans there. At one point, Stanford guy goes right. up to to somebody on U of A and is like, "Where? What do you? What do you? Where the hell have all these people come from? Right? Why do you have right. ten thousand people here? Right? Yeah, it's just like, yeah. One of the Stanford. I think it was one of the Stanford it players. Was, yeah, it was like Vegas is Tucson North. Apparently, right. my, my buddy up there in Vegas was trying to get a ticket. I don't even know if he got in or not. He's like, all these damn U of A fans have all the tickets. I can't get in the building. Wow. Trying. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, so we'll see. I think that, like I said, I think that with that win last night. And I thought they had a great performance. I think ASU should be in, but let's let's you know follow Chris Cartman and the uh, the, the the schedule and, and root for teams that 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 are ahead of them to lose, and that should assure that they get in. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, Diamondbacks are starting to whittle down the roster, and some of his guys are representing in the World Baseball Classic. We will catch up with Skipper of the Diamondbacks, Tori Lavello, next only on the Burns and Gambo Show. Your exclusive home of the D-backs. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. D-backs manager Tori Lovello joins Burns and Gambo to talk D-backs baseball. Our weekly visit with the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've got a night Cactus League game tonight. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, Tori Lovello here on Burns and Gambo. Tori, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You know why? I got both you guys in the same place at the same time. There's, you guys can't run for me this week. How about that? First time in like three weeks, right? First time for the 2023 edition of the Tori Lovello show. You've got the both of us at the same time. I love it. I love it. I don't. Gamble was in Houston watching baseball games on his time off. I mean, like I, this guy's just base. He's savage. College he baseball, baby. He, College he, baseball he really in he's, Houston. He's just a, he's just a beast. He, he, I love he, it. He can't get enough. I did have a question for you though, since I'm I'm currently sharing the stage right now with two Italians. I, I noticed that Gambo <laughs> retweeted a moment ago that apparently Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic has an espresso machine in the dugout, and I'm just wondering if you, as a manager of Italian 
thing in dissent if if you have similar plans this year because I think that's a great idea, Skip. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, that's did, the I way to go. Fantastic idea. You, everybody needs a jolt every now and then. Yes, I, I think it's the way great to go. Idea. You know, if you order a coffee yeah, in I Italy, do. they give you an espresso, right? That's their call. Like you say, hey, I want to go on un cafe. You want a cafe? You get an yeah. espresso. That's what they give you. So you would not want a cafe yeah. americano if you want an American coffee. You got to go cafe americano. If you just say, hey, can I have a cafe? Uh, they give you an espresso. So, but, yeah, but is that? I mean, is that not Italian having an espresso machine in the dugout? It's a beautiful thing. I mean, Mike Piazza, he's taking it to the next level. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. So many things to get into. I, I was reading a story about how Zach Gallon was experimenting with trying to set it twelve seconds, hold the ball until three, trying to make the the hitter uncomfortable waiting for the pitch. I, this, these rule changes are just absolutely fascinating to me. But let me start with yeah. that the the pitch clock. I'm, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but now that you're into spring training quite a bit. What are you seeing pitchers do with that pitch clock? Is everybody just getting, getting the ball and getting rid of it quickly? Are they trying to use it to their advantage in any way? Yeah, I think so. I think early on we, we were really hypersensitive to it. Everybody. Uh, the pitchers that hadn't had it before that were in the big leagues all year last year because it was used in AAA. Uh, the coaching staff uh, that was here last year. But what I'm noticing is that it's it's not it's not an overrated um, a, 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 uh, feeling that we're all having. I think we expect it to be a lot more difficult or a lot more cumbersome or problematic than it actually is. There's there's normalcy to getting on the mound, delivering the baseball. It just eliminates a lot of the walking around, checking things in pocket, uh, aligning defenses. Those little small gaps of time that slow the baseball game down in between pitches is totally eliminated now. But I think it's very normal for the pitches, pitchers. I think what Zach Gallon was trying to do is just experiment. You know, it's his first time getting on the mound and getting that slope underneath his feet and throwing, throwing the ball downhill. So that, on top of getting a feel for what the pitch clock felt like, um, was one of the reasons why I think he might have not had a typical Zach outing. Now, on top of that, I think he was trying to manipulate the clock, get, get a good feeling for how I can take advantage of certain situations and follow the rules, and those rules are still very clearly defined, but I know Zach is very cerebral and he wants every advantage he can get. Could, could Mike Hargrove have played in today's day and age in baseball? Oh my God, do you remember that? Oh, he was in Randley, right? He would take off his batting gloves. No more Garcia Parra. Same thing. No <laughs> way. It would be impossible. Um, so I feel bad for some of these pitchers when we were doing it in spring, uh, early in spring training with our live VPs. You step off the mound for one second, knock the dirt off your spikes or, or grab the rosin bag and take too long doing it, it's going to be a ball. So there is a way to do it. You've got to step down. You, 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 can't, you can't mix up your timing. You've got to do it quickly, get back on, on the rubber and let it go. But no chance some of these guys would ever go out there and be able to do it from the old days. Tori Lavello, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. There, there's still a lot to parse through with the rule changes and everything, but I, I, I got to, and this is more of a commentary than a question. I, I was at a game about a week ago and I was expecting to see awkwardness. I was expecting to see a little bit of everybody trying to get used to it. And it, it, it I didn't notice any of that at all. It, it just felt like a somewhat fast paced baseball game in which nobody was really struggling with it. Do you think that speaks to the experience level that a lot of the players have with it, given that over half of them have played with rules like this during their time in the minors? 
Yeah, I think it'll be a little advantage to teams like us that have had a lot of players performing between AAA and the big leagues last year. Um, and, I, and I agree with you. Um, I feel very strongly that if you get into the rhythm of it, uh, it wears off and it becomes a novelty. It was a challenge early, it still is, but the game runs very efficiently. You know, you're looking at two hour and 20 minute, two hour and 35, 40 minute games, max. And uh, I think that's what baseball should be. I think it should be a game where guys get up there and perform and all, all the, the, the small things that go on in between pitches, we can eliminate those. I, I felt very strongly that we would get into a rhythm. I was very hypercritical of it because I wanted to aim high and be critical, hypercritical of it um, from a standpoint of us getting used to it. And then we can subtract from there. I didn't want to just kind of poo-poo it and then have to add in. I believe in doing a lot, pulling back. So Bill Velasquez, AAA manager, said to me, Troy, I promise you the game's going to run the same and you won't even notice it after about two weeks. And that's about where I am right now. Troy Lovello, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. So you've got Alec Thomas in the World Baseball Classic. You've got Merrill Kelly. You've got Cattell Marte. I know there are others throughout the organization as well. For you as the manager of the Diamondbacks, how much, I don't want to call it babysitting because it's not that, but how? What, what, what do you have to do in terms of suggestions for the players or for Mark DeRosa or for any of the managers of any of the players of the World Baseball Classic when it comes to treating your guys with the appropriate amount of competition and care at the same time? Yeah, it's a very fair ask, and it's a huge concern for us. Um, while they're going off to represent their countries, and they should be very proud of that, we're proud of that for them. Uh, they're here for one reason, one reason only, and that's to play baseball for the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is just going to be a couple-week detour where they go out and represent their countries. But the long term, uh, this is this is where they belong, and this is this is who they are. They are Arizona Diamondbacks. So we lay the ground rules down a little bit. We you know we handed the pitching schedule off to Mark DeRosa uh, for Merrill Kelly. He followed that yesterday. It was four and fifty eight or four and sixty pitches. Perfect. Um, so and at the end of the day, we got to be mindful of where they're at health wise, what they've been handling, what they've been used to, and we want to put them into the, into a comfortable situation. You know, micromanaging possibly, but we want to let them play within the boundaries of who they are and what they're capable of doing and utilizing the strengths to go out there and help our country with baseball games. All right. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is just the, the ability to throw over only well, you could throw over three times to first base, right? But if, mm. but if, if you don't get him on the third time, does he advance? Yeah, so um, you've got two free ones, and on the third one, you better get them, or it's going to be a boss. Okay, so there's a lot of there's a lot of nuances that are, that go in, go on inside of that. You know, create a distraction after two pickoffs, and how to how to draw a throw over maybe a false break. I think you're going to see a lot of baseball teams false breaking, so we're budgeting for that. We are trying to make sure our pitchers don't come out of that set position and fall for a false break, especially left-handed pitchers. There's going to be a lot of working parts to it, and I think certain teams are going to try and take advantage of it. You've got catchers with good arms. Uh, do you mm-hmm. anticipate, I was thinking about this when we were out there last week and talking with some of the guys, I just wonder if you get to the point where I want to keep that runner on. Most teams are going to hold that third one and not use it, um, but mm-hmm. could you get to the point with pitch outs or having the catcher throw down? Is that too risky? Mm-hmm. You know, The ball could get into right field. I'm just trying to think if there's a way to try to keep that runner close by using the catcher or is that crazy yeah um 
I, yeah, I, for sure. You you get unlimited back picks from catchers. We feel like a way to hold runners close after they're in their secondary. Um, we're going to really become efficient with one pickoff. We we don't want to have somebody lobbing the ball over there unless they need to step off or kind of regroup themselves from a pitching standpoint. We want to we want to utilize our best move right now right away so we're still working on that we've got a whole menu we've got a, we've got a toolbox full of stuff bottom line is we got guys that we want to make sure they're going to make pitches they're going to they're not going to get distracted by the black noise that's one of our beliefs let's slow down the running game let's make sure the pitchers aren't distracted by it go out there and let them execute and throw over when they can okay now that's the defensive side for you guys the offensive side is man you got a lot of guys that put pressure on defenses with the speed how can you use that to your advantage to disrupt the pitcher with the speed that you guys have on the base paths yeah, we're still putting that together. You're right. We were already a really good stolen base team. Right? We've got super fast runners, and we all know what that looks like. I don't need to go over the names. We had guys that were just lighted up last year. Uh, we feel like this is going to give us a little bit more of an edge with the bigger base, a smaller distance between two two points, uh, limited throwovers, and we're just going to gather information and data and then continue to push it forward. We don't know what teams are going to do. We've got to kind of let that hand play out and see what's going on. Once we get the, the data and the tape, we're going to review it, and then we're going to explain what teams are doing. Certain teams, certain organizations, they don't care about it. Certain teams are very good at holding runners. We want to hold runners all the time, 90 feet are precious. But once we identify the times to run and the organizations that we can run on, we're going to take full advantage of it. Troy Lovello, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I'm guessing you're not going to like this very much, but I'm, I'm just curious because I know we still have a few weeks before the regular season starts. Of all of your young starting pitching, the, the ones that we saw last year during the regular season and, and now into spring, is there somebody that has stood out to you above the others? Is there one where you've been, wow, man, look at what that guy's doing? And I know you don't like to single anybody out, but I'm just curious if at any point in this time, have you seen a guy where you're going, wow, look at what that guy's doing? That's pretty good. (laughs) I think at different points in time, they've all done it where I've just walked away shaking my head. You know, it's a it's a three two slider from from Dre Jameson that uh, is unexpected and is a wipeout swing and miss. It's you know Ryan Nelson with a high fastball that he's thrown by somebody. It's Brandon Fogg with a two pitch combination. It's a f- four pristine innings from Tommy Henry. Um, so in his last outing. So I think they've all had great moments. They've all had learning moments. And we still haven't made a decision as to which direction we're going to go in. We just know we have some really good young pitchers in this in this camp. And that's what's coming. It's percolating from underneath and it's 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 been it's been a few years since this, something like this has been happening. We knew that these kids were there, but they're developing and they're ready for the next step. When and how and who, we haven't quite figured that out yet. Well it's been a few years or a few decades since we've seen a seen a really good bullpen here. Cash Martinez, Vargas, Scott. I mean, I'm looking at these numbers. I mean, their numbers in the spring have been absolutely brilliant. I mean, you've got to be really, really happy with what you're seeing out of some of your bullpen arms right now. Of course. Um, I love swing and miss. Uh, Brent Strom has b- brought a very particular, very particular pitching style, pitching belief here. You know, it's aggressive fastballs all over the zone. Um, it is wipeout secondary stuff. And I, I go back to the, the last game of the World Series where I think Presley came in and got the last five outs to help the Astros win the game. If you can remember and go back, I think it was second and third and one out in the eighth inning, and he struck out two batters to get out of that jam. Those are strikeouts. That is somebody that just has the stuff 
Um, not just necessarily fastball, but secondary stuff to get some swing and miss. And then he went out and struck out, I think, the side in the ninth. So that has been, been a big, important play for Strami. His DNA is all over this pitching staff, and I think good things are, are set to come for us this year. Jory, we appreciate the time. As always, glad to have everybody back together again. We'll do it again next Friday, okay? I'll look forward to it, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, got Tori Lavello joining us on the Burns and Gambo Show here on the Arizona Sports Line. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line 620-620 right now. When we come back, the Suns, they're dealing with a significant injury. Man, they're not the only ones. We'll look at some of the other teams and the problems they're dealing with next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Got Eric Ruby here with us with our Twitter poll question today. Normally we roll it out at 2.30. We had Tori Lavello today. So, Rubes, thanks for letting us uh, bump it back a few. What do you got for us today on this Friday? Going no into the worries. Weekend? In exchange, I will not be playing any sad music today. So no sad music on the Twitter Good, poll today. You really brought the whole show down yesterday. It's what I try to do every day, that, Well, I mean, you don't have to work hard at it, but you just play that weepy music and everyone's just like, oh, man, I'm so fired up now listening to Burns. Some people like to listen to sad songs. I don't get it. It's true. I, when I was finding the music for that, I looked up sad instrumentals, and there was like a million 10-hour playlists of just sad music. Yeah, people just like to wallow sometimes. Paul McCartney know? once said people like to fall in love with silly love songs. They, he did say that. Yeah, he and did. he made a lot of money singing that song. <laughs> he, he really did. Uh, you know, and I got to admit, I was wallowing a little bit yesterday. I was wallowing a little bit this morning when I woke up about the whole Kevin Durant thing. I'm still in a bad mood about it. So, Ooh, look at you. Oh, that's, you know, a little spicy. You want me to bring the music back? No, no I'm no, kidding. No, I'm kidding. No. All right, what do you we have, have for positive, us today? A positive question if you answer all right okay. today. Before they play Arizona tonight, do you think that ASU has already made the tournament? Yes. Yes. I really do. I know you do. I truly believe they've made the tournament. I'm pausing because I'm really thinking because I don't know if they have. I just... This is a... I've really... And I know, and I, look, I'll give you respect because I know your heart is actually with U of A. Of I, course, I know. Yeah, I root for U of A so over ASU. You're in voting with your head and not your heart on this one. And I, ASU I, over U of A in football. I know you are. Um, weird, but that's what I do. Yeah, it's you're. you're I root for both sides, I, baby. I root, for, I root for ASU over U of A in football, and U of A over ASU in basketball. You're, I don't know why I do that, but I do. You're not normal. I mean, I think we've established that over 12 years of Burns and Gambo. Um, I'm going to say yes. I think they're in. By the hair on their chinny chin chin. Do you guys want to guess the percentages on this yes, one? Yes, I do. Um, 70% say they're in. Now, I'm going to guess that more U of A, that a lot of U of A fans are chiming in on the poll. I'm going to say 63% say yes, they're in. It is a 60 40 split, almost exactly, in favor of yes. 59.3% think they've already made the tournament before tonight. 40.7% went to U of A. Hmm. Okay. That's the poll question you can find it on the Burns and Gambo page. I think if they're just competitive tonight, I think they're in. I don't even think they have to win tonight. I mean, they're probably, they might be in already. But I think if they go into a game tonight against Arizona and it's a one possession game with one minute to go, I think that'll do it. I think that'll do Show it. Show the committee that they look, they're capable. Four teams left in the Pac 12 tournament right now. We're one of them. We just played uh, one of the best teams in the country. We just beat them and then we just played them close the second time. Like, yeah, we're real. We're legit. We can play with good teams. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I okay, think. Okay, take so. it the other They lose by double digits. If they get blown out tonight, then I think they're, they move right back into that first lose by team 12. out. Lose by 12. I mean, double the, digits. The spread is seven and a half or eight. Okay, so lose by 12. I think they might be in a spot of trouble. Again, here's here's the thing we can't predict. Okay, it depends on a lot of other stuff. 
Well, so far, things are going their way. So far, but it depends on like a half dozen games around the country today and tonight that could influence this and alter this. Um, but if they get if they lose by substantially tonight, I don't think that helps their cause. No, but, I, but they might have done enough to get in already. You know, another team to watch, I saw Chris Cartman tweet about this, is Oregon. You know that net rating that they use, you know, as kind yeah, of... ASU went up like four or five spots yesterday with the with their win. Oregon's, uh, their net rating is like 40. If they're competitive against UCLA tonight, or if they, God forbid, beat UCLA, oh, beat UCLA tonight, UCLA. oh, look at them. Now you start now that's talking a better about... win than Arizona State against U of A. Time. Now you start talking about having to worry about a team from your own conference stealing your bid, potentially. I mean, if UCLA Oregon's was, able to do something tonight. UCLA was given a run for their money yesterday by Colorado. All right, uh, this an update on this story is a perfect lead-in to what we're going to talk about here. Uh, Luka Doncic is out against the Memphis Grizzlies on Saturday. Kyrie Irving's status is in question after he missed Friday's practice for personal reasons. Quote, hopefully he, Kyrie, will be able to join us in Memphis, close quote, said Jason Kidd. Suddenly, not so suddenly, but I guess suddenly for the Suns, the injury focus around the Western Conference in the NBA has really come into focus it's, when you look around, every team's dealing with yeah, something. They're, they're not alone. I mean, they're just not alone. Steven Adams is basically like stem cell injections in his knees, going to be reevaluated in four weeks, so he's done for the rest of the season. He hasn't played since the 23rd. Now you got no John Morant, Clark, you know, so the Mavericks with Luka being out right now, the Pelicans with Zion, the Lakers with LeBron. You know, you, you, you sit there and you feel sorry for yourself as a Suns fan, like, but Memphis, the Mavs, the Lakers, the Pelicans, like there's a bunch of teams right now that are dealing, the Grizzlies, that are dealing with, you know, injuries and, and just trying to figure out how to navigate through the rest of the season and just get into the playoffs. It gives you a chance to get some guys back. I mean, honestly, at this point, and unless I'm forgetting about somebody, the only two teams off the top of my head are Denver and Sacramento. Are the only two teams where they're really not... Am I missing something with Denver? I'm looking at Mitch because I know he's he's a big Nuggets fan. Denver and Sacramento, for the most part, are clean right now. They're and okay. Sacramento's been clean all year. Oh, they have been. That's well, why, like, okay, why, why are they about to end this incredible long playoff drought? It's the longest in, in, in the NBA. I think it's the longest in professional sports playoff drought. They've been relatively healthy all year. What's the strength? Of, what's the weakness of Kevin Durant? He has no weakness in his game. His weakness is health. What's the strength of the Sacramento Kings? It's health. Yeah. Their, their strength is not any one player or a combination of players. Their strength is that they have been as healthy as any team or more than any other team all year long. They have not had to deal with the injury bug all year. That's the key for Sacramento. And, and you were rallying through that list. I mean, what's hurt Golden State to a certain extent this year? They missed Curry. They still don't have Wiggins. You look at Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns, he's still standing on the sidelines. Yep. He's not playing, right? Yep. I mean, you go through every team in the West, and with the exception of Denver and Sacramento, issue, issue, issue. Now, those some of those teams have other issues. I'm not trying to blame Golden State just on Max Steph Curry. Kleber. Max Kleber for, for Dallas has been an issue as well. I mean, the Golden State they can't win on the road to save their lives. They did it again last night. They lost to Memphis. They, they, they're, what, 7-26 and 26 now on the road, which just blows your mind, given what that team's made of. But they're missing Wiggins. It's, and so you would think that's a huge advantage for Denver and Sacramento come the playoff time. But then... If you say everybody's healthy, like I say, Dallas gets everybody back in time, and the Suns get everybody back in time, is Sacramento really the best team in the Western? Are you the best team, or are you the healthiest team? 
Does being the healthiest team make you the best That's team? A, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't, I, it's a great I, question. I think in an 82 game regular season, yes, being the healthiest team makes you the best team. But when you have to be in a 16 win sprint to the finish line, which is what the NBA playoffs are, I don't think being the healthiest team necessarily matters. It's it's who's the best team in that moment. Kevin Durant might only play three regular season games with the Phoenix Suns, but if he's there at the end, I'll take but them if, over Sacramento every day that ends in one. I don't what, care how healthy. What Sacramento if you're dealing was. with a 75 percent player? That's I'm, I'm not I'm not fully healthy. I've been I'm not fully healthy, and you got a team that is fully healthy. I mean that's I mean that's something you got to consider. I mean we talked about the injury. I mean Maxi Kleber had not played since December, the middle of December. He just came back recently, but that guy missed three months of basketball. Just coming back now. The question you you do question these guys that are coming back. LeBron, if LeBron comes back, if Stephen Adams comes back, Maxi Kleber, if Lou, how healthy are they? Right? There's not a matter of oh they're back. They're 100 percent healthy. They may not be 100 percent healthy. So then you factor in okay how healthy are they? Because to me that matters. Uh, not just that they're back, it matters like how healthy are they. When we come back, well, first, let me remind you, you can text the word Valley and become a Phoenix Suns insider to get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. Again, text the word Valley to 620-620. Speaking of Suns insiders... Our own Kellen Olson wrote a great piece on ArizonaSports.com with a different perspective on the loss of Kevin Durant. We'll talk with him about it and all things Suns next on the Burns and Gambo Show.